my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 315. Uh, look, I truly do hope you're doing very, very well. Today's episode is a fun one. Uh, we're going to dive into Monday Night Football from last night, talk about that crazy Browns-Ravens game. We'll talk about Taysom Hill. We're going to talk about Jalen Hurts, the new Eagles quarterback, question mark, the fun stuff there. And we'll do a topic reacting to NFL Week 14, doing a, a reaction, some analysis. And uh, I'm going to talk about every single game from NFL Week 14 in that topic. I want to start today, though, with a fun one. Uh, the game last night was unbelievable. The Ravens just beat the Browns on Monday Night Football 47-42. to And what a game. I mean, oh my goodness. Just crazy, fun, exciting, hard-fought. I mean, that game is why I love football. The, the, the final 10 minutes, really the entire fourth quarter, uh, was just wild. And it was chock full of good storylines and great plays and scoring and oh, just twists and turns and so much fun. I mean, I, I really, I, we've had a couple games like that. I mean, there was a, was a Browns-Bengals game that was awesome earlier this year. We got that, the Hale Murray with uh, uh, Kyler Murray and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and then now we have this game. And I think this game might be the best game all year. It was just so much fun to watch. Reminded me, actually, of the Monday Night Football game a couple years ago with the Rams and uh, Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, bunch of scoring. It was like 50 to 55. And I want to start by, I just, I want to gush about Lamar Jackson. He's just so much fun to watch, and he's so awesome. And it's funny, literally, what, Saturday, I did a topic, you know, talking about how, how and why I believed Josh Allen was the best quarterback from the 2018 NFL draft class. And uh, look, Josh Allen's having an outstanding year. He's playing very, very well. But I will say he's never had a, like a superhero type moment. I mean, Lamar Jackson ran out of that tunnel, won the game for his team. And the whole night was just Lamar Jackson. It felt like putting a team on his back, making play after play after play after play. And I, I really can't point to a game where Josh Allen has played like that in his entire career. And I know that, look, Lamar's a former MVP, and I don't know, the more I think about it, maybe the entire debate, who's the best quarterback from 2018, does it even matter? And, and then how do you even determine who's best? I mean, a lot of people would say Lamar, Bills fans would probably certainly tell you Josh Allen. Uh, I think it's clear they are the two best from that draft class so far. And I, I mean, I don't know, like, it, it sounds like a silly debate in my opinion, and I do think, I want to just look at the crazy numbers Lamar put up last night because he was 11 for 17 passing with 163 yards and a touchdown pass. But he also ran nine times for 124 yards and two, two more touchdowns. And even crazier is that before that final game-winning drive Lamar had against the Browns, he only had seven completions the entire day. So seven completed passes the entire game. And then he had four in a row on the final drive. You know, one uh, one play pass was a spike into the ground to stop the clock. I mean, I I just walked away very impressed. And I, I, I just think, man, when Lamar was leaving college, a lot of people, myself included, he won the Heisman at Louisville, had a great career in college. And a lot of people, again, I'm included in this, this group of people. I, I, I believe this. A lot of people said this, that Lamar could not run like he did in college and succeed in the NFL. If he was going to run in the NFL, it wasn't going to work. He had to learn how to do other stuff. And he's developed into a great passer. But he also, the one thing we were all wrong about is he, he's running 
exactly like you ran in college and doing it again and just doing it at a very high level. And it doesn't really matter. It feels like there were long stretches in that game where it felt like Lamar Jackson doesn't even need to throw the ball. And I was like, well, okay. I was wrong. Everybody was wrong. Oh, yeah, by the way, when he needed to throw, bam. Lamar, Lamar made great throw after great throw after great throw. Won the game for his team. And uh, I, I think, you know, I don't really even feel bad about being wrong about Lamar Jackson. I was very skeptical. I wasn't sure. Part of why I don't feel bad is because we've just never seen a player like him before in the NFL. I mean, I think people literally don't understand how quickly the guy gets to full speed. It's like you snap your fingers and he's gone. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like even on like a, a simple six yard run, he gets to full speed like instantly. It just blows my mind. And I mean, I swear he's like the best athlete in the entire NFL. Oh yeah, by the way, he can throw. I mean, it's it's terrifying. It's crazy. Uh, I was reminded of how great Lamar Jackson is last night. Again, you would think he won the MVP. I would remember. Um, I mean, that the, the touchdown pass he had on fourth and five. And I want to really kind of lay the groundwork to give the what's the the context for this moment. Because, first of all, the fourth quarter started with us, the audience, learning that Lamar Jackson had just ran off the field, down the tunnel, into the locker room. And suddenly, Trace McSorley is the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. And you're like, oh, wait, what? Well, what happened here? And not really even for one drive. Trace McSorley played for two whole drives. And we're told Lamar Jackson has cramps. And then we see a video of Lamar Jackson, like, waddling down the tunnel into the locker room. And, I mean, like a waddle? Was it a shuffle? I mean, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it any other way. But everybody sees that video, and we all go, Lamar Jackson has to use the toilet. I mean, that's exactly what it looks like. And we're like, cramps? Bull honky? No way. I... I, I I even wrote in my notes, and, and I changed my mind. It's pretty funny. Immediately, I was like, can you ever convince me that it was, quote, cramps? And he did actually convince me. After the game in the post-game press conference, Lamar Jackson clarified what happened. And, uh, you know, by the end of the game, you know, first of all, the game had ended. I was watching it. My girlfriend finished college last night, so I paused it for about an hour. We went and got, uh, got her a drink and had a good time. And it was nice. Um, but I read the headline that Lamar had denied the toilet theory. And I read, read it on my phone and I went, no way. Like, he, he's lying. Of course he's going to deny that. But if you actually watch the video and watch the, the full interview, Lamar's explanation was convincing. It makes sense that, you know, he described what he did when he left the field. He described the cramps he was having uh, before leaving the field. I will say, though, it, it's a really fun thing to believe. It, it's more fun to believe that he left the field and missed most of the fourth quarter because he had to use the toilet. So believe what you want to believe. I don't think that's why he left. I think he really did have cramps, but uh, I mean, it's just, it's fun to believe. Uh, I mean, even the careful waddle, if you watch that video of him walking down the tunnel, if you've ever played football and worn cleats on concrete or on any surface that's not really grass or turf, it kind of makes sense. You go, okay, yeah, it's hard to walk in cleats. You want to be careful. I mean, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I am extra careful of my legs walking down a tunnel in cleats. So I, I understand it. Uh, the waddle is explainable. But it, I mean, look, the point of all this is that it leads me to fourth and five. On third down, it was like third and two. The Ravens backup quarterback, Trace McSorley, he gets uh, caught in the backfield. His knee buckles. Uh, now it's fourth and five. The Ravens don't have a quarterback. We're like, is it the emergency quarterback now? What's going to happen next? And meanwhile, it's fourth and five, ball on the 44-yard line, tie game 35-35. And bam, suddenly, like, riding on the back of a horse almost. You're like, where did this guy come from? I mean, it just, it was like the, the heavens opened up and Lamar Jackson just kind of fell out of the sky. You're like, 
suddenly Lamar Jackson's back. He runs out of the tunnel, and you're like, oh, this is going to happen. And he he came right back into the game, fourth and five, and throws a 44-yard touchdown pass. It was like the the craziest. I mean, he he really did run out of the tunnel like Superman. You're just like, okay, I guess Lamar's back. And it was just uh, one of my favorite moments of the year, honestly, where it was unexpected. It was a surprise. It was crazy. It was just so cool. And uh, he throws this long touchdown pass. And you're like, okay, I guess Lamar is back. And I really can't say enough how just great of a game this was. It was so much fun. I saw on Twitter that Brett Coleman wants to do a film room episode about it. I heavily encourage that. Hey, dude, that's that would be amazing content. Brett, if you're watching, go make that video. That'd be amazing. Um, and I felt this a couple times this year where, uh, you know, we had Baker versus Joe Burrow. We had Josh Allen versus Kyler Murray. We had Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. We had Baker versus Lamar. These great games with matchups between young quarterbacks make me think about the early days of Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or Tom Brady or even Big Ben or Phillip Rivers where did people realize what they were watching like 20 or 15 years ago? The early days of Peyton Manning, the early days of <laughs> Drew Brees, or certainly not in San Diego, do people think Drew Brees would become what he became, or Tom Brady. I mean, I-, I love watching young quarterbacks play well, and I encourage you, when we get games like this between Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, or Baker and Lamar, or Justin Herbert and Tua, like, whatever young quarterbacks you want to put in there, guys who are most more than likely going to become greats in the NFL. I mean, they're going to be, at some point, the top quarterbacks in the league, if not already to some of them. And I just hope that people enjoy what we get to see in the next couple of years. I think a lot of, I hope people really appreciated Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and the prime of those, that rivalry game and those years. But I can't encourage people enough. These rivalry games, these, you know, Browns, Ravens, Browns, Bengals, uh, you know, any game between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, enjoy these matchups. They're incredible. They're fun. And I just hope people realize what we're watching. We're just watching incredibly high-level quarterback play. It's so much fun. And I got a couple more takeaways from this game. Number one, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, the Ravens receiver, had a couple drops. And that's got to stop. That cannot keep happening. He did catch the long touchdown pass. I'm glad he hung on that time. But we've seen Hollywood-Brown catch, you know, drop a couple passes this year, and especially in that last game. And that's... He needs to show up for his quarterback, and I don't know if the Ravens need another receiver to help pair a match, give him another guy, you know, another dynamic duo. I don't know. Um, but the Ravens are, I, I need to see, I want to see more from Hollywood Brown. Now, I walked away from this game feeling good, actually, about Cleveland. And I don't know how you watched that game last night and still question the legitimacy of. Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, and Baker Mayfield, and the Browns in general. I walked away uh, impressed and encouraged, and I understand Baker had a costly interception. Uh, It set up a first and goal from the one-yard line for Baltimore where, I mean, he basically, Baker had an interception that handed Baltimore a touchdown. It might as well have been a pick six where you needed to see the edge drop into the throwing lane. If you did see the edge, uh, then you can't throw that ball. I mean, it's what, a five-yard hitch? And that's not worth the interception and the touchdown for Baltimore. Um, but I will say that was Baker's first pick in five games. And I know people have a hard time. When a player gets better and makes improvements, people just can't see it. They really are stuck in viewing a player or a person the way they have been in the past. I mean, 
quit a job and change your life. People will still view you as the guy from five years ago. It's, it's hard anytime. When you change your life, I, I encourage you, just understand people around you and people observing you are going to have a hard time viewing you as what you are now compared to what you used to be. And I think Baker Mayfield is a different quarterback today than he used to be. So I, I am, I'm open to Baker Mayfield growing and getting better. Uh, and other than that mistake, I thought Baker played a phenomenal game. I mean, I really, he had that mistake, that costly interception. Uh, but I was really impressed with how Baker played later in the game, especially. Uh, the Browns had three touchdown drives in a row where Baker played his best football when Cleveland needed him to play the most. And I, I mean, he took a 35 to 34 lead, then responded with a minute left and tied the game 42-42. He had that beautiful throw down the left sideline to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And uh, I just walked away feeling encouraged and impressed with Baker Mayfield going, okay, like I, the coach is great. Uh, the team around him is pretty good. He's making throws. He's getting better as the year has gone on. And uh, I, I just, I hope Baker handles the loss well. Losing to Baltimore the way they did, that's a painful, painful loss that I, I, I hope he just, you know, takes it in, grieve a little bit, then move on and, and just keep playing good football. Uh, because we've seen Baker grow so much this year. I think, at, you know, maturity-wise, I think as a quarterback, I think in every aspect of his life, he's more mature and much better. And, I mean, I really was impressed that even leading up to this Baltimore Ravens game, did you notice Baker said nothing? Just totally quiet, all business. Uh, I I appreciate that. That's what he should be doing. And probably, I think he's learned some lessons there. And we've also really seen how good Baker can be with a great coach, which Kevin Stefanski is. So I, look, I if the Browns ever get rid of Kevin Stefanski, it's going to be infuriating to me because, I mean, they had Bill Belichick years ago and they fired that guy. It's like, don't screw it up again. You got a great head coach. You got a quarterback who I like and got a lot of good players. Just keep building and keep growing and be patient. And uh, I really hope that Baker's rhythm isn't screwed up from losing this game to Baltimore. Now, the final thing I want to say, I want to give a shout out to Justin Tucker. He hit the game winning 55 yard field goal. And I, I want to ask the question. I feel out of the loop a little bit. I don't know what people on Twitter are saying and what I, I just don't know. Is the general consensus that Justin Tucker is the best kicker in NFL history? I mean, I I know he's not near the end of his career. I know people love Adam Vinatieri. I know, like, Morton Anderson gets a lot of respect. Uh, but what's the general consensus on Justin Tucker? I'd love to know. Uh, if he's not the best kicker of all time already, he's definitely in the conversation, in my opinion. And I would say, I mean... The same way I think that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented kicker, even though Tom Brady has all the records right now. Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Um, I know, I'm sure that Justin Tucker doesn't have every all-time kicking record. I don't think he needs to, to be the most talented, most successful, most accurate, uh, most dependable kicker in the entire NFL uh, and NFL history, by the way. And so I I just want to give a shout out to Justin Tucker. He's unbelievable. And uh, please feel free to send me feedback. I'd love to know what you guys think of Justin Tucker uh, and hear if I'm crazy or if I'm the only... I, I don't think I'm the only one there, though. I, I would think that a lot of people would agree. Yeah, he's like the best kicker ever, right? Just asking a question here. I'd love some feedback. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about Taysom Hill. We'll end the show uh, with the, the long segment breaking down, uh, doing some analysis and reaction to every game 
from NFL Week 14. My name is Zach Schombler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. Um, on Sunday, the Eagles beat the New Orleans Saints 24-21. to And so Jalen Hurts, in his first ever NFL start, beat a top three defense in the NFL. In fact, the Saints were number one, the number one statistical defense in the entire NFL going into the game. The game ended. They Jalen Hurts did so well, he actually bumped them down. The Rams are now the number one statistical defense in the NFL. I always thought the Rams were better anyway. Uh, but still, I mean, it's very impressive that Jalen beat a top defense in the NFL in game one. It's, it's really cool to me. And really, the number one takeaway from Jalen Hurts' start is really the kind of spark he brought the Eagles offense and really the Eagles team in general around him. And it's not a coincidence that the Eagles appear to be a team playing their best football with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. That you know, It's been six quarters now, and other guys are stepping up. Uh, other guys are suddenly, you know, they've suddenly been making big plays. And Jalen Hurts really brought the Eagles hope. And he's a great leader. And it would appear that Jalen Hurts is better than Carson Wentz at rallying his teammates, at getting the most out of the people around him. And so... Other than Carson Wentz struggles, Jalen Hurts also has exposed another problem with Carson Wentz where, and it's an old criticism, it's not new, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and then the next year again after that Super Bowl year for another playoff run, Carson Wentz was hurt, and Nick Foles played. And Nick Foles rallied the Eagles better than Carson Wentz ever could. I mean, he, he won a Super Bowl. He got them, he took them from a team having a bad year got him into the playoffs. And I remember that going, wow, it's kind of weird how Nick Foles always, the backup quarterback, comes off the bench and rallies the team better than Carson ever could. And so my takeaway watching Jalen Hurts for six, you know, after watching Jalen for six quarters, uh, Jalen's the best quarterback in Philadelphia, but he's also part of what makes him better is his leadership. Jalen Hurts' leadership cannot be understated. And we've also seen that Jalen is a better decision maker than Carson Wentz. And before we dive into Jalen's game and talk about how he did and how good he is, I've heard a lot of people say that you can't tell if a quarterback is good off of just one game. And I understand how a lot of people would say that. A lot of people haven't played quarterback. Uh, and a lot of people, I mean, people, especially people, even, even like high-ranking sports people talking about you know, analysts are people that played on the defensive line or people that played on, they've never played the quarterback position before. Now, one person I've heard say that he needs only a couple drives to recognize whether a quarterback is good or not is Tony Romo. I don't know about you. I tend to side with Tony Romo. He was a somewhat, quote, somewhat successful quarterback in the NFL. I would call him a very successful NFL quarterback. Uh, And over the span of a game, I understand why Tony Romo says he only needs a couple drives. Because over the span of a game, you can see whether or not a quarterback is accurate. You know, how good is his ball location? Is he anticipating throws? Is he throwing the ball before a receiver makes his break? Or is he waiting too long till after a receiver is already open to throw the football? How strong is the quarterback's arm? Can they recognize the blitz? Can they see that blitz and then beat it with a throw? I mean, these are all things that Jalen Hurts did in his first start and his, you know, his time filling in, coming off the bench behind Carson Wentz. And so I've seen enough from Jalen Hurts to say, yeah, he's a good NFL quarterback. And... If Jalen Hurts from this point on would, to, would fail in the NFL, he would have to take a crazy left turn 
and suddenly erase all the good habits he has and fall apart. I mean, I, I don't see a realm or an existence where suddenly Jalen Hurts is a bad quarterback because he's not. He's a really good quarterback. And he's been beating blitzes, throwing the ball. He's been very disciplined and patient. He's throwing underneath. He's not forcing throws. He's been throwing the ball away when it's required. He's made good pre-snap reads. He had a touchdown pass, an awesome back shoulder throw to Alshon Jeffrey down the left sideline. Uh, Jalen can run. And, you know, I, I watched Jalen Hurts run over the Saints' safety. Marcus Williams on a fourth and one, up the middle, just ran the guy over, fell forward for a first down. And Jalen's also running on passing downs where he's either extending the play or he's running for yardage downfield. And at some point, defenses are going to have to defend him the way you defend Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray and put a quarterback spy on a meaning that you'll have a defender that just follows Jalen Hurts wherever he goes. You're going to have to do that at some point. And also, I want to add, Jalen is not the same quarterback that we saw get beat out by Tua Tungavaloa at Alabama a couple years ago. That was a couple years ago. Things have changed, and this is an evolved Jalen Hurts. This is a guy who spent a year at Oklahoma learning under Lincoln Riley. Not to mention all the time he spent at Alabama not starting, sitting behind Tua Tungavaloa, getting pushed every single day, and growing as a quarterback. And I think people need to face the reality that Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. And he's better than Carson Wentz. He's Carson Wentz, I, I love Carson Wentz. I think that I I think he, he really needs to work with Frank Reich again. I think the best scenario for Carson Wentz is to leave the Eagles and get traded to Indianapolis, play for the Colts, and work with Frank Reich again, the, the former offensive coordinator he had who remember Frank Reich after the Super Bowl run left the Eagles and went to Indianapolis to be the head coach. And so Carson has made bad decisions this year. He's been inaccurate. He's been uh, forcing throws. I think he feels the pressure of having a bad team around him. And by making bad decisions, trying to play hero ball, he's been adding to the problems of the team around him. So I think Jalen's a better leader. Jalen moves the ball better. He makes better decisions. And if you ask me, Jalen is the guy in Philadelphia. I, I really would go with Jalen Hurts easily. So I, I think Jalen Hurts is awesome. Uh, he played great in his first start, and I've seen enough now to go, it's been six quarters of really good quarterback play, and I know he had a fumble. I know he had an interception in game one, but his arm got hit, so I don't really even count that interception. I like what Jalen Hurts is doing, and I think he should be the guy in Philadelphia. And I, I, I know you're going to say, I'm overreacting, but no, I, I know the quarterback position. I've watched what he's done. And you don't fake what he's done. You don't accidentally make great reads and accidentally beat a blitz and accidentally throw a great back shoulder fade and accidentally make decision after decision after decision to be patient and run the ball well. I mean, he's done too many good things at a high level for me to go to not be sure. He is, I am sure, Jalen Hurts is an awesome NFL quarterback and uh, he should be the guy in Philadelphia moving forward. By the way, do you know who won the most this past weekend? So Jalen Hurts won a game uh, for the Eagles. He upset the New Orleans Saints, beat one of the top defenses in the NFL, had a great game. Uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, they won. They beat the Giants. Uh, Baker Mayfield's team lost, but Baker Mayfield played really well on Monday Night Football with a lot of people watching, like millions of people watching. And uh, if you look around the league, Oklahoma now has three of their former quarterbacks doing very, very well in the NFL. And uh, really, this whole weekend was a commercial for Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma head coach. So I, I can't say this strongly enough. Young quarterbacks, 
go play for good coaches. You want to work for a coach that knows what they're doing, that's a good coach. Don't go to a team that sucks. Don't go to a team that's got no weapons, but also make sure you go to a team that's got a good coach who's going to help you grow as a quarterback. And if you can, if anybody listening has the capability, go play for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. He's going to make you a great quarterback, and it's pretty obvious to me. Coaching matters. And now we've seen three guys who have worked with Lincoln Riley go to the NFL and play very, very well. And that's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. Lincoln Riley is a great quarterback coach. And there's a reason why Oklahoma gets the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They coach quarterbacks the best, and they send them off to the NFL. And I think that's the best recruiting pitch you could possibly have. I mean, I, if you're a, a, one of the best quarterbacks in, in, in high school football, and you're looking around, where do I want to go to college? Like, huh, I want to go to the NFL. Uh, it's pretty obvious where you want to go. <laughs> you want to go play for Lincoln Riley. He's going to send you there and uh, give you the habits and the, the tools you need to succeed in the NFL as well. So, um Shout out to Lincoln Riley. He's doing a great job in Oklahoma. And uh, I don't even know how their year is going. I literally haven't followed them at all. But I, I watched a little bit of Spencer Rattler earlier this year. I was like, ah, he's, he's young. He's learning. But what I know is that three guys have worked with Lincoln Riley are doing very well in the NFL. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's just great coaching. And it matters. Now, this next topic um, this is a tough topic. This is a topic that I have been avoiding. I mean, I've really been avoiding it and avoiding it and avoiding it. I, uh, I don't believe this topic's going to be well-received. And I will say it's not really my job to worry about whether or not people like what I say. It's my job to say what I believe. Uh, but another reason why this is hard is because I like Taysom Hill as a human being. He seems like a great guy. He's well-loved. I'm sure if I met him, I would like him a lot. Uh, he seems like a good person. And I don't like making topics about people that I I, – I, I don't know. I – I will say that um, the New Orleans Saints head coach, Sean Payton, uh, really likes Taysom Hill. And I guess I defer to Sean Payton. I mean, he's the coach who sees Taysom Hill every single day in practice. And I would imagine he knows better than I do. So if Sean Payton likes Taysom Hill, that must mean something. And so, I, I, I mean, it's worth saying that, right? Like, we'll see what happens. But I don't see it. And I, I've watched Taysom Hill now start four different games in the NFL. And I don't know how, I, how anybody looks at Taysom Hill and says that this is the long-term starting quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. I'm, just, I'm not sold. I'm not convinced. Uh, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping that he would get better. And I, I, every week I watch Taysom Hill and I go, I don't want to make this video. I don't want to make this video. I don't want to make this topic. I don't want to be negative. And I've been waiting and waiting and I haven't been impressed. And I, it feels like wishful thinking from the Saints and their fans to hope that Taysom Hill can be the guy to replace Drew Brees. It would be very convenient if he was their guy. If New Orleans didn't need to go find somebody else in the draft or in free agency or pay a big contract to anybody else, that'd be very convenient. It'd be awesome. And I gave the whole long disclaimer to start the topic because I hate when people perceive me as angry or mean or a hater. That's not my heart. Uh, But what I've seen from Taysom Hill is a decent quarterback, a guy who's, he's fine. He's, he's okay. He's, I would consider him a very good backup in the NFL. But he's limited. And, you know, really my biggest problem with Taysom Hill is that he misses on too many key details, and he's not talented enough to get away with that. I mean, there are too many moments where I go, dude, you got a guy open. 
And I know nobody likes bad news, but the bad news is that Taysom Hill should not be the guy, uh, the long-term answer to replace Drew Brees. I mean, he's got receivers open over the middle and he doesn't see them or he's quick to check down. I mean, there are a lot of times I'm like, dude, why are you already checking down? That's You've been holding the ball for half a second and you're like, it's like, what's going on there? Uh, or And look, a, che- a check down's a very safe throw. I'm not, check downs are good. However, if you have people open coming, you know, coming, if you have receivers coming open downfield, you have to hit them. And there've been too many moments where I've seen Taysom Hill not hit people open downfield. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, I also have not been impressed with Taysom Hill's ball location. Uh, I've seen him throw incompletions as a result of inaccuracy. That's not good. That's a killer. You can't have that. And so he's decent. Uh, He moves the ball. He's kind of a perfect fill the gap quarterback. If the Saints need a guy for a year to give them time to replace Drew Brees, Taysom Hill's perfect for that. Give him, he can be the quarterback for a year after Drew Brees retires. But I would not build my franchise around Taysom Hill. I, I, what I've seen is not impressive enough for me to go, yeah, give him a big contract. Yeah, invest in him. Yeah, build around his skill set. Uh, you know, there was a key third and eight against the Eagles where, uh, very end of the game, Taysom Hill took a sack that you cannot take on third and eight, and it moved their field goal attempt back from 49 yards to 57 yards. And the Saints missed that field goal. Taking that sack cost them, and it it really affected them so much that they missed a field goal. You can't take a sack there. And so the details are lacking from Taysom Hill. He's also 30 years old. He's not just 30 years old, by the way. He's 30 years old, and he's been hurt before. He had injury problems in college where... In 2012, he had a season-ending knee injury. And then in 2014, he had a broken fibula, ended his season. At some point, he got a, an, ex, uh, a, an extension. So the, uh, the NCAA said, you can play a fifth year in college football. And in 2015, he had a fractured foot that ended his season early. And in 2016, he hyperextended his elbow. Again, it ended his season early. So you have an older guy who's been hurt a lot in the past. And I look at Taysom Hill. He's, he's beat the Falcons twice. They're a bad football team. He beat the Broncos, who had literally a receiver at quarterback because of COVID. They had a guy off the practice squad, Kendall Hinton, playing quarterback. I've never heard of him. He was a backup quarterback, even in college, suddenly starting in the NFL. Yeah, Taysom Hill beat that guy. Woo! You beat the team that was depleted so bad they had a receiver at quarterback. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Taysom Hill to impress me. And the moment just hasn't come. It's been four games. Uh... And next week, they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't think they're going to win that game. And I, I'm just, I'm done waiting. I, I've seen enough now to know that Taysom Hill should not be the guy long-term after Drew Brees. I, I just, uh, I mean, the best thing Taysom Hill does is run the football, not throw. And I think it's a little bit important that you have a quarterback who can throw the ball at a high level. That quarterback is not Taysom Hill. I... I'm not making Taysom Hill my franchise quarterback. And if Saints fans want to argue with me and want to make that happen, great. We'll see who's right. Uh, and I don't like being right about that. If I am right, uh, here's the thing, too. I'm, I'm not really the beneficiary making this topic. I, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I'm going to make people very angry. And then a couple of years from now, if I end up being right, no one's going to come be like, oh, Zach, good job. I'm so glad you're right about Taysom Hill. No, like I don't take any pleasure in saying I don't believe in a quarterback, but I I don't believe in a quarterback. I don't believe in Taysom Hill. I don't think he's a long-term answer in New Orleans. And uh, 
I, I feel kind of broken up about it. It's like, I wish he was, but he's not. So that's my opinion. It's my job to give you my opinion. And uh, there it is. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, uh, I want to run through NFL Week 14 because it was a crazy week. A lot of stuff happened. A lot of fun stuff happened. And we'll do some reaction and analysis to NFL Week 14 when I return. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Let's talk about NFL Week 14. Let's run through every game. I'll share my reaction and my analysis. Uh, number one, the Bills beat the Steelers 26-15 to on Sunday Night Football. Bit of an ugly game. Uh, a good win for Buffalo, though. They are 9, uh, sorry, they're 10-3 and now. And I love the Bills' red uniforms. I think they look really, really awesome. Uh, the Steelers' offense was unimpressive. They had The drops continued, plus Big Ben had two interceptions. He had a pick six before halftime. He had another uh, interception on a deep ball. With seven minutes left in the game down the right sideline. Pittsburgh is 11-2 now. Uh, they're likely going to finish 13-3 or 12-4. Uh, the final three games for Pittsburgh are the Bengals, the Colts, and the Browns. Colts and Browns feel like really tough games to me. Uh, one thing to consider is that Pittsburgh has played three games in the last 12 days, which is uh, in a 12-day span. That's crazy. Uh, you know, the Ravens, they played them on the 2nd of December. They played uh, Washington five days later on the 7th. And then six days later on the 13th, they played Buffalo. And so they just never got a bye week uh, because of COVID and because of the NFL protocols and stuff. And they haven't had a normal week in a long, long time. And not to mention they're missing... Uh, a bunch of players on defense, you know, due to COVID and due to injuries. Uh, you know, they had two linebackers in the Bills game, which were uh, Avery Williamson, who they traded for recently. They also had to move Marcus Allen temporarily from safety down to linebacker just for that game. Uh, and so context matters. I don't think the Steelers are a bad team. I think they are losing games that I, I'm not surprised they're losing. And I think, again, they're going to go 13-3, and 12-4. and four. And then from then on, we'll see how they do in the playoffs. But again, the drops cannot continue. They, the Steelers keep dropping passes, and it's not good. Uh, Deontay Johnson's a player I like. He's had kind of a breakout year. He's dropped the ball a lot, and it's it's not it can't be allowed to continue. And uh, the Steelers got to nip that in the bud as soon as possible. Now the Colts beat the Raiders forty-four to twenty-seven. Philip Rivers had two touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero turnovers at all, actually. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, the Colts rookie running back, uh, remember a second round pick who I've been saying all year, don't draft running backs in the first round. Don't pay running backs. Hey, you can draft a guy in the first round, but don't pay him after that first time at first, after that first contract. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had 150 yards rushing for two touchdowns. The Colts ran for over 200 yards and uh, Phillip Rivers, as the year has gone on, has gotten better and better and better. And it feels like the Colts potentially could make a Super Bowl run. They're playing their best football late in the year, and they're going to be a hard team to beat when the playoffs come around. Now, the Raiders, they actually fired their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, after this game. Uh, I mean, they gave up a lot of yards, a lot of points. Uh, Derek Carr had two interceptions. As a team, the Raiders had three turnovers. And uh, the Vegas Raiders are 7-6 and six right now. And to finish the year, they are, they're just wilting. Now, their final three games are the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Broncos, all three teams that are, I think, playing well. Uh, and I I mean, they all won this past week. So, yeah, sorry, the Dolphins lost to Kansas City, but the Dolphins are a good football team. They have a great defense. Uh, the Chargers won. Uh, the Broncos just won. Right now, 
if the playoffs started today, the Raiders would not make the playoffs? And then also, are they good enough to beat the next three teams they play and give them an opportunity to get into the playoffs? I'm not sure they are. And so I, it'll be a very fascinating final three weeks of the year for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins 33-27. to uh, The Dolphins have they got great corners on the outside. The problem is the Dolphins did not have anybody really to match up with Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs' tight end. He had eight catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. And Kansas City is nearly impossible to stop. It feels like all you can do is slow them down. Uh, I There are certain teams do certain good things. And nobody really has put together a good enough game to entirely stop Kansas City. The Raiders beat them. They had a really good game. Part of that was that their offense played really well. They took risks on fourth down. Um, but, you know, Mahomes had three interceptions in this game. Yes, people are going to talk about Mahomes had a bad game. Uh, two of the interceptions were tipped. One was literally tipped on a screen pass. The other was a ball a little bit high, tipped off his running back's hands on a check down. Uh, Kansas City was up 30-10. to 10. I wouldn't say that Kansas City really struggled in this game mightily. Uh, it was close. It was interesting. And against a good defense, they had a couple turnovers. But I, 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 people are saying, like, Patrick Mahomes had a bad game. I'm like, ah, I don't know what he had. A, I don't know that he had, I don't think he really had a terrible game. Uh, now, Mike Gusecki, the Dolphins tight end, had another touchdown. He had a really great touchdown catch between three defenders. And I went, ooh, that's awesome. And Mike Gusecki's had six touchdowns this year. He's turned into kind of a security blanket for Tua. And I really like Mike Gusecki. He's, a, he's just kind of a, a little unknown gem uh, who's played really well at tight end for my, uh, Miami Dolphins. Now, part of why I believe Aaron Rodgers is going to win the NFL MVP is that, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't hurt that Patrick Mahomes' team is a lot better than what Aaron Rodgers has to work with. He's got better receivers, better weapons. And I watched Patrick Mahomes throw three interceptions this weekend. And two of them I thought were, were questionable whether it was his fault or not. Uh, certainly one of them was just a tip pass that was unfortunate. Um, but Rodgers could not win a game where, fault or not, if Rodgers had three interceptions, he would not win that game. Now, Mahomes did fairly easily. He beat the Dolphins. Uh, and if you have an ugly game and your team is still winning by 20 points, then how valuable are you? I It does matter to me. And by the way, the Packers won again. The Packers won. They beat the Lions 31-24. to Rodgers with 26 for 33 passing, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Matthew Stafford got hurt. I felt bad for Matthew Stafford. I think that's probably his last game in Detroit. But back to the MVP conversation. Uh, MVP is about appearance. And people, uh, you know, I look at Aaron Rodgers and I go, his, the year he's had, the numbers he's putting up, they present the best of any other quarterback around the league. And, and then it's also rare for a non-quarterback to win MVP. So I think Aaron Rodgers this weekend was solidified as the NFL MVP Unless Patrick Mahomes does something crazy and then something bad happens to Aaron Rodgers, I'd be surprised if Aaron Rodgers was not the 2020 NFL MVP. Also, by the way, shout out to Robert Tanyan, the Packers tight end. Uh, he's in the conversation for the most improved player in 2020. Probably won't win the award, but it, when I do my award show for uh, Strong Opinion Sports, Robert Tanyan's going to be in the conversation there. I've really been impressed with his growth as a tight end. Uh, made a lot of good catches this year. He's awesome. Now, the Chargers beat the Falcons 20-17. to 17. Um, There were three interceptions in the final five and a half minutes of the game. Matt Ryan had two. Justin had one. 
Uh, Matt Ryan had three interceptions on the day. His final one came with 31 seconds left. That led to the Chargers kicking the game-winning field goal as time expired. So both teams are now 4-9. Uh, I will say, I, I watched a little bit of this game, and I, I kind of crapped on this game. It's like, I don't care at all. And then I was wa- looking around. I was like, ah, I just got kind of sucked in. I, I like watching Justin Herbert. I'm, I guess, apparently, it doesn't matter what's going on in the game. I just want to watch Justin Herbert because he's fun to watch and interesting. Uh, and it was actually a decently entertaining game, despite the fact that both teams have bad records. Now, both teams are 4-9 and nine after this game, uh, and it was a lot of bad football, but it was close and interesting, so I, I, I was shocked how much I enjoyed what I saw of that game. The Cowboys beat the Bengals 30-7. to uh, Andy Dalton had two touchdowns. He beat his old team. Uh, it had to feel good. I mean, I was so happy for Andy Dalton where the Bengals lost three fumbles and they did not play very well. And I, I really kind of felt robbed and kind of sad. It, it's unfortunate we never got to see Andy Dalton with his new team against Joe Burrow with Andy's old team. Would have been a fun matchup. I would have liked to see that. Uh, the storylines would have been fun. And, I mean, if Joe Burrow had played that game would have been a lot more competitive against Dallas on Sunday. So, I don't know. I feel like it's too bad we we missed out on a potentially great matchup because of Joe Burrow's, you know, knee injury, career, season-ending knee injury. It's like, ah, Joe Burrow, you're so selfish. Why couldn't you play in this game? Not, not really. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. But um, I wish Joe had played. It would have been a lot of fun. Uh, the Seahawks beat the Jets 40-3. to 40-3. Uh, I, I think I threw out like the possibility, like, oh, maybe, maybe the Jets could pull off the upset. <laughs> no way, not even close. Uh, I mean, it's forty to three, and Russell Wilson, by the way, the Seahawks quarterback was twenty for twenty-seven passing at four touchdowns. I mean, it's really good the Jets fired their defensive coordinator, isn't it? Like, clearly that move was brilliant, paid off. Ah, oh, wonderful. <laughs> it did nothing. I don't know. Maybe it did something that I didn't see. I, Whatever. Uh, feels like they just paid Greg Williams to leave, and he has gets to finish his career hanging, his, his season at least, hanging out, doing very little. I will say that Jets safety Marcus May had a really awesome interception, where like just he, a one-handed interception that he tipped it, you know, tipped to himself. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but other than that, I don't know. Not a very exciting or interesting game. Uh, Jamal Adams, by the way, had five tackles for one sack and a tackle for loss. So he didn't have the huge day, I would have thought. No pick six, no interception, no you know forced fumble, nothing like that. Uh, so even though Jamal Adams didn't have the big game I was hoping he would have, uh, he did get the blowout win. So I'm sure Jamal Adams walked away feeling very, very good from the game against the Jets. The Titans beat the Jaguars 31-10. to Derrick Henry had 215 yards rushing for two touchdowns. Uh, now Gardner Minshew... Played most of the second half for the Jaguars at quarterback. He's actually going to be the starting quarterback next week. And uh, he came in after Mike Glennon threw an interception in the third quarter. And Gardner, you know, rallied the Jaguars a little bit. He had a a couple good drives. He had a touchdown pass. He was 18 for 31 for 178 yards in the second half. And uh, I, I just walked away going, man, Gardner is a great leader. And he's a very average talent quarterback wise. Like he's got an average arm but he does the little things right. He's really good, got great attention to detail. And Gardner Minshew is a good enough quarterback that if you can put a good team around him, he can win. If you put Gardner Minshew on uh, the 49ers, for example, he's their starting quarterback. He'd win a lot of games. He'd do very, very well. If you put him on the Colts, if you put him on 
uh, list another team that's got a lot, a really good roster around their quarterback. Gardner Minshew's no slouch. He's not the best starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's a backup, but I don't think he's a franchise franchise quarterback. Not really. Like you have, he needs very specific conditions for him to do very, very well and win a lot of games. Uh, but again, if you put a good team around him, he can do good stuff. So I am very curious what we will see from Gardner Minshew this offseason. Is he going to get traded? Is he going to go anywhere? I don't know. Uh, maybe the Jaguars keep him to mentor Justin Fields. That feels like a, a really big waste. I'd be very disappointed if that was true because Gardner, I think, is good enough to play somewhere. So we'll see. I- I'm very fascinated what happens with Gardner Minshew. It could be a trade piece. I mean, a team could trade for Gardner Minshew. Uh, I think it'd be a relatively small trade. I don't think you need to give it up a lot. And if you're a team that's missing a quarterback like the Patriots or, uh, I mean, if Pittsburgh wants a good backup quarterback to you know, maybe replace Big Ben eventually or the New Orleans Saints, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I'm curious if Gardner Minshew goes anywhere and does anything this offseason. The Bears beat the Houston Texans 36-7. to And uh, the game went really completely opposite of how I expected uh, Mitchell Trubisky played very, very well at three touchdowns, made good decisions. And uh, this Bears-Texans game really confirmed to me that the Bears just need good, consistent quarterback play. And whatever it takes to make that happen, whatever shuffling you need to do this offseason, whether it's a new coach, new quarterback, maybe both, uh, the Bears need to do whatever it takes to make that happen and go get consistent quarterback play. Because they're a, a decent defense with some solid weapons on offense. And they just need a quarterback. And I, the, the, the few moments where Trubisky plays very, very well, I find them infuriating. Because I go, why can't you do this all the time? It's just like, come on, man. Don't tease us like that. Uh, now, Deshaun Watson, I think, deserves a lot of credit, actually. His team is a mess all around him. Uh, offensive line, they can't run the ball. Their defense is terrible. They're dropping passes. They have just, it's all awful. And I'll do a whole breakdown of this game uh, explaining the mess around Deshaun Watson and what happened even in this game. But Deshaun continues to make really good decisions despite the problems around him. And he's not adding to their problems. So I I think Deshaun Watson has actually made an incredible uh, amount of stuff, done an incredible amount of stuff this year where we've seen so many quarterbacks win the thing, everything around them gets bad, their decision-making often falls off a cliff. We haven't seen that from Deshaun Watson at all. He deserves a lot of credit. He's playing very, very well, and I'm impressed with him. Now, uh, the Cardinals beat the Giants 26-7. to The Giants' defense actually, I thought, played very well early on. They had an awesome goal line stand on fourth and one from the one-yard line. And I remember watching this game being very excited. Like, oh, yeah, like the Giants, they're in it. It's going. It's good. And then... The Giants' offense could not put up any points until the second half when they were down 20 to nothing. And it's like, man, like, support your defense. Come on, help them out. Now, the Giants' offensive line did struggle, so I'm not putting it all on Daniel Jones. Uh, but I am curious how people who... I've gotten a lot of feedback. People are like, Daniel Jones, he's the guy, he's the guy, you're wrong. I wonder how those people feel today, knowing that I, I thought that Colt McCoy played better than Daniel Jones did. So... Uh, you know, the, the time we saw him start early, later earlier this year when Daniel Jones was out with an injury. So I don't know. Uh, I thought Daniel Jones had a really frustrating decision on a third and one where he threw deep instead of taking what was open underneath. And uh, I I just, uh, Daniel Jones, like, I don't know, man. The, the Giants have a lot of good pieces there and I, I don't want them to waste them. So 
Uh, we'll keep seeing how Daniel Jones does. I think it makes sense to keep playing Daniel Jones because, I mean, Colt McCoy is not going to be a franchise quarterback. You might as well continue to develop Daniel Jones, see what you can get out of him and see if he gets any better. But so far I go, Ugh. and then the offensive line is bad and it's just, it's a mess. Now the Buccaneers beat the Vikings 26 to 14 and uh, Vikings fans get all mad at me anytime they think I'm praising their defense. I want to clarify they're, they're missing the point. I'm not praising their defense. Their defense has problems. They're starting uh, Jeff Gladney, a rookie corner, who uh, I like him, but it's going to take him time to get better. And there's a lot of execution problems on defense for Minnesota. But I am praising their scheme and their design. Mike Zimmer uh, confused Tom Brady a couple times with his play calling on defense, and I love that. So I think people are misunderstanding my praising of Minnesota. It's their scheme and their design I like, not necessarily the execution we're seeing week to week. Now, Tampa threw a Hail Mary before halftime. Uh, they got a P.I. call on that Hail Mary, set him up for a field goal right before halftime. It was kind of, I mean, just like, ah, I just feel bad for Minnesota. Like, oh, that, that sucks. Uh, the Vikings made too many mistakes to win the game. Their kicker, Dan Bailey, was 0 for 3, uh, kicking field goals on the day. Brady was solid. And uh, the Buccaneers won. They're now 8-5. and five. So, interesting. Uh, I predicted them to win, and they did. Uh, sorry, those aren't related. I, I predicted them to win, and it's interesting they won. I'm not saying, like, I'm not, it wasn't me, like, going, ah, suck it, I'm right. I, I don't really try to gloat at all, ever. Uh, the Broncos beat the Panthers 32-27. to I got this game totally wrong. Uh, I even said, like, some line about how, you know, who do you who do you believe more in, Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke? And it's actually pretty funny how exactly the opposite happened. Drew Locke had four touchdowns. He played very, very well. And, uh... I, look, I, I said this before, but I'll, I'll keep saying it. I don't believe Denver should give up on Drew Locke. I, I would give up on Daniel Jones. I think Drew Locke has got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of good stuff going for him. I think the Broncos are too good to replace Drew Locke uh, in the draft anyway. And I really want to see Drew Locke next year in year two of Pat Shermer's system, hopefully with somewhat of a real offseason and a healthy team around him. I mean, these are the – listen to the Broncos' weapons when they're healthy. You have Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton. They got another Noah, uh, Nick Van- Noah Vanette, Nick Vanette, something Vanette, uh, this other tight end. They have weapon after weapon after weapon, uh, the, the Denver Broncos do. And when they're healthy next year, on offense and defense, I, I would go, man, watch out for Denver. And uh, Drew Locke is improving as a decision maker. And I know people have such a hard time observing growth. Uh, you know, they people want to view other human beings as static and unchanging and, you know, all good or all bad. And people often don't leave a lot of room for nuance or growth. And uh, I I thought that Drew Locke has been growing all year. He's been playing pretty solid recently. And I I think we're seeing the maturity of Drew Locke. And I mean, I, I just think quarterbacks sometimes need patience and then also consider the crazy circumstance that's gone on with Denver this year. I, I, I just don't know that you can say, Drew Locke is terrible. Well, everybody got hurt and COVID happened and it's been crazy. So I have patience for Drew Locke where I don't for other quarterbacks around the NFL. Now, Carolina did have the ball, though, in this game. Uh, 248 left in the game, down five. And they could not put together a scoring drive. So uh, the Panthers had an opportunity to win and they couldn't win the game. And at some point, I've been saying this for a while, Carolina, I like Teddy Bridgewater. He's a very solid quarterback, and people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I've said it before, so continue to get mad at me if you want. Uh, he's got a low ceiling, Teddy Bridgewater does, and at some point, Carolina's going to need to upgrade a quarterback to get a more talented quarterback who can make bigger plays and do more than just 
run the offense at a high level. I mean, Teddy's very good. He's he's a good quarterback who's good for rebuilding a team, and he'll be their guy for maybe even a couple of years, and that's totally fine. But at some point, Carolina's going to need to replace Teddy Bridgewater, whether it's now or sooner or even later. Teddy's not the guy forever in Carolina. The Eagles beat the Saints 24-21. to Jalen Hurts made his first ever NFL start. He beat a top three NFL defense. Uh, Jalen's better than Carson Wentz. He's a better leader, better decision maker. He moves the ball better, can run around better. Uh, he should be the guy in Philadelphia. And uh, Taysom Hill, I did a whole topic about it. Uh, he's decent. I, I walked away very confident, though, after this game that Taysom Hill is fine, but he's also not the long-term answer for the Saints at quarterback after Drew Brees does eventually retire. Uh, Washington beat the 49ers pretty soundly, 23-15. to Washington was up 23-7 to at one point. Uh, I was sad it wasn't a back-and-forth game. Uh, you know, it was kind of a very ugly defensive-led game. Uh, Alex Smith was average, of course, right after I praised him. Alex Smith was kind of just okay. Uh, but I stand by everything I've said about Alex Smith. Alex Smith is kind of the perfect quarterback for Washington right now. Uh, and then Dwayne Haskins played a little bit. So uh, Alex Smith got hurt, left the game. Dwayne Haskins played okay, made some good throws. And I, I do believe that sitting behind Alex Smith might be the best possible thing for Dwayne Haskins moving forward. I mean, if if he eventually becomes the guy because of the time he spends behind Alex Smith, that'd be awesome. And it's very possible that is what eventually happens. Uh, Chase Young returned a fumble for a touchdown uh, that helped Washington. Yeah, pretty cool to see a rookie doing what he's done this year. Uh, Nick Mullins had two costly turnovers uh, that led to uh, two touchdowns for Washington. So, you know, look, I still believe Nick Mullins is an outstanding backup, but he's a backup. And I, I don't think you ever want Nick Mullins playing more than maybe three or four games in a year max. I mean, my expectations are much lower for Nick Mullins than a Jimmy Garoppolo guy who Jimmy Garoppolo is getting paid multi-million dollar contracts to do whatever he's done this year and last year. And um, I would replace Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. I'd get a new starting quarterback. But I would keep Nick Mullins as the backup. He's a good guy who uh, he's cheap. He's decent. He's solid. He can be a good backup for three or four games. But you don't want Nick Mullins being your quarterback for long, long stretches of time. He's done that this year, and he's you know being shown as he's a backup. He's clearly not much more than that. But again, also, Nick Mullins just lost to a really good defense in Washington. So I don't know. I, I don't. I think people are a little too hard on Nick Mullins and not hard enough on Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's guy you're paying a ton of money, and he's been very subpar this year and even a little bit last year. So I, I don't know why people are so quick to give Jimmy Garoppolo a pass, but you know, be hard on Nick Mullins. It feels like it should be the opposite. Be harder on the guy you're paying a ton of money to, not your backup quarterback. You know what I mean? Uh, shout out to 49ers rookie receiver, by the way, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he had 10 catches for 119 yards in this game. That's awesome. And uh, the Ravens beat the Browns 47 to 42 on Monday Night Football. I already talked about this game, did a whole big breakdown. Uh, Lamar Jackson was amazing. Baker Mayfield played very well. I think this was probably the game of the year. I walked away confident, you know, in the legitimacy of the Browns. And I walked away reminded of the, the superhero uh, type, you know, superhero-esque nature of Lamar Jackson. He's amazing. I, I just go, wow, we've just never had another Lamar Jackson in the NFL. Maybe, maybe Michael Vick, but Michael Vick never ran the way. Not, not really. I mean, Michael Vick, it was in a different offensive system that didn't really work as much to his strengths. And then maybe Randall Cunningham, but I, 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 Lamar Jackson is just amazing and special, and we've never really seen it before. I mean, he's, he's probably the best athlete in the entire NFL. Now, we also cannot forget the last game of Week 14 I haven't talked about. 
Uh, I talked about it in the last episode, but I'll retouch on what I said in that podcast. The Rams beat the Patriots 24-3 to on Thursday Night Football. Number one, I would not blame Cam Newton for the Patriots' struggles. They're 6-7. and seven. They got no offensive weapons. Uh, remember, Tom Brady couldn't win with this roster. Cam Newton rarely never had a chance. And the Rams are 9-4. and four. Uh, They've had two convincing wins in a row. Their defense is phenomenal. They're probably the best defense in the NFL. Uh, Jared Goff is... When Jared Goff is on, he's really, really good. So if you can get Jared Goff playing really well and you know on a hot streak at the end of the year in the playoffs I mean that that the Rams team is very very scary they run the ball very very well and uh the LA Rams look hungry to get back to the Super Bowl remember they lost the Super Bowl two years ago that a down year last year now they're like hey we're back and we're coming with a vengeance they want to return to where they were before and make things have a different outcome so my dream NFC championship right now would be the Rams and the Packers I think it'd be a fun matchup uh, I want to see Aaron Rodgers against that defense and see what would happen. So uh, we'll see what happens. That's my recap of NFL Week 14. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, guys, I love you so much. Hope you have a great day. That's all I have for today. Have a great day. Bam, bam. We are done.